Welcome to the Springs in the Desert podcast. We're so happy that you're here with us. We're those friends that you can take with you wherever you are on the path of infertility. All right. Well, good morning, Deacon Amarante. It's wonderful to have you here on the podcast. Thank you. I'm, I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Deacon Amarante is, uh, he started, you started your career as an IT, uh, or in IT anyway. And then for the past 12 years or so, you've been a deacon with the Diocese of Harrisburg and functioning as the Secretary for Catholic Life and Evangelization, as I understand it. Uh, currently stationed at Sacred Heart of Jesus in Lewisburg, which is not the same as Louisville, as I understand it, uh, but uh, Lewisburg, uh, Pennsylvania. So it's, it's wonderful to have you here this morning, and I appreciate you making some time for us. I'm very happy to be joining you uh, and the circumstances that led us to one another. Um, you know, we, we are having the event soon for Springs in the Desert in our diocese, and I've been working with Anne on that. So um, it's been a pleasure. I haven't even actually met Anne face-to-face yet, I don't think. Oh, no? <laughs> she actually came to the diocesan center. I've only been at the diocesan center as secretary for four months, about. Okay. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, she came in to do interviews and, uh, I was in the meeting and there's just, there wasn't an opportunity in my, my now busy, um, busier days. <laughs> sure. How do you like that? By the way, how's the, how's the job? How's the it's, job in that it's office? Not a job. It's not a, I don't even call, I, I say I don't work anymore. I, I don't have a job. I, I get to be a deacon a hundred percent. I should, well, see, this is just the terrible thing to say, isn't it? Um, I get to focus on ministry 100% uh, every day, uh, whether it's a budget, uh, which I'm working on now, or, um, or actually, you know, arranging events for, for, for apostolates like this. Uh, I, I love it. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to my secular employment for, for anything. And, you know, I did that. I did that for 25 uh, years in IT, um, both, uh, in you know lots of coding lots of screen time but you know sometimes uh as a director uh, in those areas and it helped me pay the bills it helped me you know uh get my family where where we needed to be and then and i just prayed a long time i i knew my heart was always in the ministry uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's actually what <clears throat> now i wasn't always a catholic I grew up Catholic, but uh, I had left the church, and um, and that's pretty amazing, by the way. So you 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 started Catholic, you left the church, you came back, and you came back full swing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did. Well, so so when I was in IT, I had a CIO, a Chief Information Officer, who was like two levels above me, <clears throat> uh, who was who was Catholic. And uh, for, uh, an acquaintance of mine who was an, also a Protestant at the time said, uh, we're going to, I've been trying to convert um, our, our CIO. He, he meets with me once a week, twice a week, and we That's talk awesome. about all these things. And so I, I said, oh, I'll, I'll join you in that. After three years, actually after two and a half years, my uh, friend became Catholic and then six months later, I returned to the church. Um, yeah, and that had a huge impact on my marriage at that point because Ellen didn't want to have anything to do with the Catholic Church. Oh, and wow. Yeah, it was it was a tough it was a tough time because I would come home asking questions and she didn't 
she was just she was like you know we're we're going to church we do our thing you know uh talking about different uh doctrines etc didn't uh, interest her at the time but yeah so she cradle catholic also no no she uh she grew up protestant yeah did she yes she did and when did uh so when you when you were married were you both catholic or was she was she no 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 so so yeah we were not (laughs) so there there's a whole bunch of uh of uh paperwork on that Yeah, uh, I'm sure you're very familiar with that paperwork <laughs> yes, at this point. Yes, too. I am. I am. <laughs> I, I handled it for for my for other people too. So uh, yeah, so that's all you know taken care of, and we. Uh, she eventually sat down with me once a week, and this is a testimony, I think, to the difficulties you face in marriage. You know, we're talking about sure. our, you know what Springs into Desert focuses on in regard to infertility. Mm-hmm. Uh, However, uh, you know, how you face that uh, and learning through that applies to all kinds of, of challenges you, you will face in marriage. One of which for me was uh, the call back to the Catholic Church, which did not appeal to my wife. And how are we going to get through this? Yeah. And working with the priest, working with Ellen, uh, my wife, Ellen, <clears throat> and we, we just sat one day a week and we said, we'll talk about this one day a week because every other day has to be a normal day. Right. Yeah. And we did. And after about a year, she said, I'm going to go to RCIA. And That's so, beautiful. Yeah. So she how did. long ago was that now? Oh goodness. Uh, well, I've been a deacon 12 years, I'd say about, uh, 20 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. God is so good. You know, it's like you look at these moments where he just puts the right things in front of you. That that if you lean into it the right way, there's this overwhelming opportunity for for blessing and grace to just flow into these really beautiful relationships that he that he places in front of us. Um, what a what an honor to be able to kind of accompany your wife through that. You know, it's interesting coming back to the church, going through the diaconal formation program eventually under um, Bishop. It was Bishop Kevin Rhodes at the time. Hmm. He was, uh, he's now the Bishop of Fort Wayne South Bend in Indiana. And those were great. Those were amazing years. Right. Um, and it, it was, it was already after the point that Ellen and I were confronting the issues of, uh, of infertility. Um, and and it it were it was those circumstances that that I I could say perhaps Satan, if I if I can be so bold as to say Satan attacked me with after my ordination. Mm. After my ordination was perhaps the worst confrontation that I experienced. He does that though, you know. It's like the minute you have these moments where you draw really close to the Lord. All of a sudden, it's like you get that punch where it's like, where the heck did this come from? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, it, it formed me. Oh, indeed. Yeah. It formed me. And it, it took years of uh, direction, spiritual direction, confession, uh, casting my uh, tears um, at, at the altar, just uh, to find a freedom, to find a freedom to to be 
at peace, at peace. Um, pardon me, I'm, <clears throat> I just need a moment to recollect myself. No, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, it's these things, they're, it is a challenging situation trying to persevere in our faith. And it is a lifelong journey. It doesn't have a, it doesn't have any point where we finally reach the end until we reach our end. And, you know, I, I think that it's always really inspiring for me to be able to remember that, you know, there's no, nobody on earth is a saint yet. You know, that's, that's something that happens in the next life. Um, and if we live the life that God has placed in within us to the fullness and if we can rely on his justice and his mercy to call us back to him uh, and as we as we try to conform our wills to his um then there's then it really can take like the the tragedy of this life and turn it into a comedy um but i i do think that yeah it's it's helpful to cuz you know even within our marriages there are these moments that we have these highs and we have these lows with ally my wife uh, uh we've had we've had tears and fights and uh and we've had some beautiful times also trying to especially kind of work our way through uh, what exactly it means to be married and struggling with uh, the desire to have children, not actually being able to have children. Um, and these things, they're nuanced, they're complex, and they're difficult. And I think that when, 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 properly, when properly viewed within the context of our lives and in the context of our ultimate purpose, which God made it all of us to be with him. I, mm -hmm. I, I mean, that is, that is written into the Genesis, right? We see that at the very, very beginning of it all. Um, you know, and if we can kind of step outside of ourselves enough to, to get that full picture, which is a challenging lifelong struggle, um, it really does provide a lot of freedom and a lot of release from the shackles that we kind of tie ourselves to with, jobs or expectations for what marriage should look like or you know what the perfect family might look like uh, and and it's a it's a beautiful thing you know I, I, it's a it's almost as if that time and even now like there's there's a perpetual lenten experience with it in a way uh, i remember going through That's lines description for just the simple things right so Oh, I, I'm not going to eat these sweets or, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to indulge, uh, this particular appetite, right. For Lent <clears throat> and the, the mantra I would use for that. And there, there was always grace, I believe for me in Lent to not, or to avoid the things I was looking to avoid. And I would say, God, I love you more than I love that. I mm. love you more than I love that. And uh, that's a beautiful prayer, by the way. Uh, it is. Uh, I, I I love, you know, because, but it seems like I would only commit to that during Lent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then yeah, uh, cookies are a big weakness. I don't know why. I'm okay, what kind? Uh, oh, gosh. Can name one, right? Because uh, for me, it's like it's peanut butter and it's like chocolate. Chocolate cookie <laughs> with white chocolate chips. I was just yeah. talking with Allie about this. On oh, the yeah. yeah. Chocolate, so it's a chocolate dough with yeah. the peanut butter chips in it or white chocolate chips. In I take it. either. You know, put them oh, both okay. in there. That sounds okay, fantastic then. to me. Let's I, go. I like a white. I really like a white chocolate macadamia nut. Oof. Yeah. That's like my specialty cookie. I love like when I, when I go out, 
I might get one of those uh, big soft ones at, at a restaurant or, you know, the fast food place. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen makes amazing five chip cookies. They're, they're just phenomenal. Hang on. Time out. What are the five chips? Oh, you've got oatmeal, peanut butter. It's an oatmeal cookie with peanut butter chips, milk chocolate, dark chocolate, white chocolate, and butterscotch. Okay. I'm going to come up and visit you and, and we're going to have to try <laughs> these great. things. Yes, certainly. Yeah. I love the five chippers. Uh, so, uh, so I love you more than I love that, or even that, uh, be, be, and to carry that beyond the land into the, um, the frustration that we dealt with, um, over our, over the infertility or the circumstances. And I feel, sometimes I feel like it's not fair to me for me to even be in this conversation and being honest, right. Uh, you heard me say I worked in IT. It got me, uh, I got, helped me to get my family where they needed to be. Mm -hmm. Because I have a family. I had, you know, we were married young. Uh, she was 19 and I, I was, I was 21. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. If but it were sure really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I had a lot to learn and I was still a brat. Um, but I, I was a believer, you know, I, even though I wasn't in the Catholic church, I, I, I believed in Christ and uh, we went forward together in that. Uh, had we not been married that young, we might not have had our two children mm -hmm. and uh, they were born back to back. Uh, so my children share the same age, 10 days a year. So they're 355 oh, cool. days apart. And then for 10 days in September, they have spring or excuse me, twin days, twin days in, in, in September. And they'll wear the same shirt or something like that. And that's cool. Um, I think they wash it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was after that, you know, where we were, we were facing um, the circumstances of, of endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, and we, my son was actually, we, we were kind of surprised that we had conceived my son. So, so soon afterwards and, uh, I'm not sure we would even had him at that point. Um, and some of the struggles I have now, like, or, and some of this, I, I think I'm still getting over is who I listened to, who I listened to, Do, you know, doctors are like, um, your wife should never be pregnant again. Mm. You know, she, you know, she had, um, physical difficulties during the pregnancy. Yeah. And, um, you know, they had, they had to be managed deliveries and, and then going on with time, more doctors would give more advice. And I, I, I almost wish I had been Catholic then because I knew Catholic doctors were dealing with these things in totally different ways yeah. than the secular doctors. I know that now and you trust people that make this help you make decisions that you are told, well, this will be fine or this, that'll be fine. Everything will be just, you know, normal after this. We'll, we'll do this very scientific, highly tested procedure and everything's going to be fine. And it's not because that's only, that's only a physical answer, right? Uh, it's an attempt at a, a, a physical medical remedy when um 
there is a whole psycho-spiritual aspect to this. And it didn't get better. It didn't uh, help. It didn't solve anything. And in fact, cast us into that position of, you know, it was great to focus on the diaconate or focus on the faith and come back to the Catholic Church and, you know, put my energies into that. But there had to come a point where I had to deal with it. And I hadn't, and I hadn't dealt with it. And, um, and as I said, that, that led into a very difficult uh, time. um, What do they call it? A um, desolation, maybe. Yeah. St. John of the cross, uh, dark Dark night of the soul. soul. Yeah. Dark night of the soul. That's what I'm looking for. And um, I, I can't say that, like you said, there's the ups and downs. I've been, I, it, it had been a roller coaster, but I'll say that that sine wave, uh, uh, and that roller coaster continued to narrow and level over time with frequenting, uh, the sacrament of confession, going to spiritual direction, talking to Ellen. And one of the hardest things was just to get us to talk about it. Mm. With all of the emotion that comes with that, it's so hard. It was so hard. Yeah. Um, and because often there were uh, tears, there were uh, times of great loneliness, um, lack of compassion. Sure. Uh, I could tell myself over and over, it's, it's not my fault. It's not her fault. Yet there's this great temptation there to say somebody could be doing more. Oh man, you know, and I, I, I think that's one of the the very difficult struggles with working your way in a marriage through infer- like any sort of an infertility diagnosis. Um, I mean, in, in our case with Allie and me, um, the issues the issues with me, which is really interesting. Um, and, uh, and I, I don't have to get into it cause I've, I've mentioned it on a lot of other occasions, but all this to say, you know, you're left with this sort of, you start realizing dealing with infertility conditions. It's like, it's individual and it's also communal. There's the, mm-hmm. there's the part that's, that you're dealing with personally because of whatever your relationship is with how you're relating to, um, this, this desire that you're not able to fulfill. Uh, but then you also have how you two come together. I mean, for me, it's like, I want my wife to be happy. What can I do to make her happy? How can I solve this problem? But you, but I can't even phrase it that way or look at it that way for me because it's like I technically kind of am the problem. But without me, we wouldn't be married. So it's like yeah. you have this you have this weird sort of like hodgepodge of different things going on. Uh, and I know that every situation is unique. It's got its own uh, different flavors that go along with it. But the more that I've looked at it, the more I've realized that, yeah, it's not like, it's not like we're, we're together in, in bearing this burden, but at the same time, it's an individual burden as well that has a different flavor and a different character than the individual burden that my wife is sharing there too. And so some of the greatest moments that we've been able to have has been able to kind of come together and to talk about our individual burdens and how those uh, kind of align, how they differ and being able to have that greater sort of a context for how we how we interact with this uh, this infertility uh, has really been uh, it's been painful and it's been it's been hard and there have certainly been tears shed and there have been times when I haven't been as sensitive as I should be 
And there's been times that she hasn't been as sensitive as she's needed to be. Um, but working our way through that with grace and with, and with God and trying to reorient our lives really, and to dig more deeply into the vocational mystery of our marriage, um, and what God is trying to do for our salvation through this partner that he has given us. Uh, it's been transformative and beautiful and, 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 you know, we're still riding it out. We're, we're six years into a marriage that I hope lasts, you know, as long as, as long as God will give us, um, but it certainly has has provided a balm on a situation that otherwise, uh, you know, can be pretty pretty darn disparaging. <laughs> and he knew it, though, right? He knew it. He, he yeah. And he knew um, that this was going to be your way to heaven. Yeah. And this is my way to heaven. Uh, and uh, you know, like it or not, I carry it and. Uh, because when I get to that chasm, uh, that's the cross I have to, part, at least part of the cross that I, I am, I'm laying there for the bridge. Amen. And, um, you know, the, the forgiveness part, like, uh, I want to, forgiving those people that I felt like I should have been able to trust is, was hard for me. And I, mm-hmm. every now and then it's still still there you know it's part of that sine wave yeah that, that diminishing wave and every you know every now and then i still have a little bump in there that goes on the uh, either that whether you want to say the downswing and i think you know i it could have been different it could have been I, you know that's such a hard thing though because i i would say that as catholics not many of us receive any sort of catechesis within like medical ethics which i mean mm-hmm. frankly there are a lot of people these days that that don't even, you know, I work with high schoolers and some of them like don't even know that you don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent. So trying to get to medical ethics from there is quite a jump (laughs) uh, from a catechetical standpoint, but you know, there's, there's not a lot of training out there. I, you don't hear a lot of homilies or otherwise of people talking about some of the, like the mystery of our bodies, how they, (laughs) how they function, how they reveal God to us and what things are, what things are, are, Licit would, would help us to understand God better and what things actually kind of tear us away from God. And in the medical industry in and of itself, it's like it is an industry. It's built on the idea that they can sell you services and they can solve your problems. And and there are elements of that that are good, right? Like there are elements of that that lead to healing, that that need things that need to be healed, get healed. But then also, you know, when you're walking in, you're like, I we really want a child. The doctor's <laughs> answer is we can get you a child. That's um, right. Yeah. And, and that's what they're going and that's what they're paid to do. It's like, that's their, that's their profession. Um, and, and so it makes without walking in with a resolution and understanding, you know, I will do this, I will not do this. And mm-hmm. this is why I will not do this. And standing on that, um, it seems it's kind of set up in a way that it can take you in some really, some really screwy routes. And it's interesting. I, I, I'm part of partly responsible <clears throat> for the marriage preparation uh, within the diocese, uh, I've just hired awesome. a, a new director of family ministries who will uh, take control of that. Since I, I, I can't, I can't bear it <laughs> all myself. <laughs> I, I, my team, my team's growing again, and and so uh, just keep working uh, on your sanctity so that you can bilocate and do. Yeah, I know, I like know. Uh, I, I, I don't want to get my little violin out. That's not what the, the, that's not what <laughs> I'm trying to do here. But I'm just, I'm actually excited to to be bringing on somebody in this position. But uh, marriage preparation, I think, 
how much, you know, we don't even talk about a lot of that, you know, infertility, you know, what, what happens if, yeah, I, I actually try to pose that posi- uh, message to the, uh, to the husband and wife or to the future spouses or what am I trying to do? The engaged couple, the fiancés there mm-hmm. and say, you know, what if this is a condition, you know, what are, whether it's, you know, you know, let's go to the, the, the extreme case you're married for a week. Somebody gets in a car accident and now your wife or your husband is a paraplegic, mm. right? you know, yeah. That, that sounds like, oh, why are you even bringing that up? It's like, well, you, you're making a decision right now. Mm-hmm. You're making a decision that no matter what, like this, this living person I love and I love in these circumstances. And we don't, I don't think we pose that question about, you know, the better, we talk about the better a lot, but not, not the worse Yeah. Uh, in marriage preparation. Um, I don't, it doesn't have to be macabre. But, um, but well, it's, such a, it's such a difficult thing though, to get a, a newly, like a, a couple that's engaged, that's working their way towards marriage to infuse some sort of an idea that is like tragic and then try to get them to understand that it's really through the tragedy that we find a redemption in a certain mm-hmm. sense. You know, I, I, some of the sweetest things that we, that we kind of gained through my marriage, uh, specifically stems from the fact that we've endured some suffering together yeah. and, yeah. And that kind of adds that adds uh, uh, quality and beauty to mm-hmm. a union that the Lord has. To your point earlier, you said, you know, you said that God put me here, put us together for a reason for our salvation. And it's like, you know, it, it'd be pretty it'd be pretty impractical to think that we're going to be dealing with just sunshine and roses. And well, that's because that's where that's where love is defined, though. Yeah. That's that. That is where love is defined. It's not defined in the every day is perfect moments. Yeah, uh, that's not where we get the definition. We get the definition of love from uh, the suffering. And that that is why the ultimate definition of love is, or the symbol for the ultimate definition of love is the crucifix. Mm-hmm. It, it is that, and that that's that has always been part of my. Uh, spiritual confrontation with this is to look at that and and to have that crucifix before me. I know there's a resurrection. I I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not stuck in the crucifixion. Yeah. You know, you see me uh, looking at the wall here because that's it. I that that is the constant reminder to me that that's where love is defined in my relationship uh, with Ellen and. Uh, that's where love becomes more than it is because we are infinite in our capacity to love. Mm. Uh, we don't believe that, uh, but we are. And uh, to say that I can't love more is a lie. Uh, we mm. can always love more. We yeah. Can, we can always bring ourselves to the point of showing more love. Uh, by the, and that's by the grace of God. If we, if we are not infinite in our capacity to love, then we are, we are then finite in our ability to receive God's love, which is infinite. Mm. So um, I, that was my favorite teaching when I was in philosophy class for the diaconate. And when I heard that, my whole world opened. It, it was a whole new ability that uh, I was otherwise limiting within myself. So to look at that cross and to realize that 
our marriages are not defined on the good days. They're defined on the bad days. Mm. And to say, I can love more. Uh, so, and you mentioned redirecting, right? So, you know, we, that's where we re, you know, when we face these challenges and we redirect. So, you know, we went through the discussions about adoption. Um, you know, is this, you know, what we're supposed to do? Yeah. And I remember being in class with, um, Deacon Jerry Robinson, who is adopted, and he has a, a large family of, of his own children, too, uh, within our diocese. Um, great example. And he, he, he said to me, you have to be called to adopt. Adoption is a vocation. Yeah. You discern whether you're going to do this, because it's not about just having a child or having another child. And I took that to heart, and Ellen and I discussed it. I was um, and, and I, and I just accepted that whatever, um, I don't even like to say the word freedom, but I guess it is, uh, whatever free, free time that I get because I've, I've raised my children mm -hmm. and they're on their own. And I, I now put into my diaconal work, right? This is, this is my redirection. Yeah. Uh, of the time that God has given me to redeem. Um, so uh, we, we have to see where is this leading me, Lord? If it's not to put my energies into this, um, this effort of family, and you are a family, whether you're, you're two people or you're three or four or five Amen. people, you're the family. Your family right. begins at your marriage. And, uh, you may not be called to have a child in your home mm -hmm. in, uh, under any circumstances uh, as far as being part of an additional part of your, your immediate family. But uh, there is fruit. There is uh, fecundity in the spiritual dimensions of your marriage that should be overflowing and outward oriented. So I love that. I love that. That's that, that so hits the nail on the head um, on so many different levels. And honestly, I'd, I'd love to talk with you for another couple hours here. But uh, in the interest of our of our listenership, uh, okay. Okay. I think it now sounds like probably a pretty good place to to wrap it up. Part um, two to be determined. Can we? Because I'd love to. I'd love to sure. get with you on several other things here. This has been really wonderful. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much, James. Thanks for making some time for us today, Deacon. Thank you so much for joining us for this Springs in the Desert podcast episode. If you have a minute, please rate and review us so that we can reach more listeners. Check out our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram and go to our website, springsinthedesert.org, where you can sign up for our newsletter and hear about more things that we have going on. Most importantly, remember that God loves you so much and so do we. 